0: Welcome to the Hotel Analyst Podcast. Each week uh, you'll find the two of us discussing matters of importance in the hotel investment space. Uh, I'm, my name is Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined around the desk of Insight by Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And this week we are starting with a look at what's going on in the corporate restructuring space and we're reeling today from the news that we've heard that uh, the industry stalwart in the UK, Whitbread, is potentially going to be letting around 6,000 people go from its Premier Inn operation uh, in and around the UK. Um, And uh, that follows a period when we've seen um, Marriott, Hilton, Choice, IHG and all the online platforms such as Expedia and booking and Airbnb uh, cull headcount in a desperate well sometimes desperate um, but certainly reactive bid to reduce overheads uh, due to the uh, the coronavirus lockdowns around the place are these cuts too much are they going to be ending up turning away good people and will these organizations be in any state to cope with the upturn as and when it eventually comes
1: Look, I I think they're definitely deep, um, but I think, sadly, they they need to be deep. I think you make a very good point, Chris, is are they going to be damaging the ability of these companies to rebound? Um, Partially, yes, I think in some cases they will, but on the other hand, often periods like this aren't um, I they can lead to a renewal for organizations too and you know let's hope that, that, that that's more of that happens than actually um, we see sort of severe damage being done to, to companies through through these cuts. Um, I, I think the the, the the most likely outcome is that they've cut very close to the bone and they will as things recover um, be in a position to start um, rebuilding again. I hope that's going to be the case. I think there's a real challenge with that um, given that they just don't know how long it's going to be and I think in most cases most companies are simply in survival mode right now. there are yet more data um, on how difficult this period is going to be. Morgan Stanley had some data, they looked at uh, um, something that Duetto the tech company put out and it was looking at the business on the books at hotels and globally this was down 50 to 70 percent year on year in early September. Um, This is a very grim forward looking indicator. In in a similar way you look at airlift and airlift is critical for particularly for uh, uh, um, hotels and luxury hotels and upscale hotels in gateway cities. Airlift is down 60% globally, and even within the EU, it's down 50%, 56%, um, according to figures from OAG. That this is very very challenging and Morgan Stanley conducts his own survey they look at um, have a thing called Alpha Wise they talk to a, a group of travelers what their travel plans are and they found when they asked about the you know whether they're going to be planning an international holiday in the next 12 months um, just 44% um, were considering that. Um, so it shows you just how badly the, the, the whole demand element now is, 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 has collapsed and, and the supply side too, alongside that supply side, I mean, with the airlift there, um, with the forced closures, um, it's a very difficult, challenging time. And on top of this, we've got the ongoing series of, um, government measures, which, um, in the UK we've just seen um, a 10pm curfew imposed on hospitality, um, hospitality staff having to wear face masks um, and customers too having to wear face masks unless they're sitting at a table all this just takes any of the joy out of <laughs> uh, out of hospitality um, why on earth are you going to put yourself through that um you, you might as well just stay at home and order a takeaway and yeah. i think that's that that's going to be the reaction unfortunately deliver on far style yeah. well, well quite i mean you know and it, it's interesting isn't it i mean some of these you know, you mentioned Expedia and Booking. Well, one of their rival tech players, um, Uber, now led of course by the ex CEO of um, Expedia, um, Uber's done a great pivot to get in on the delivery game, um, and it, it's done. You know, it's, it's done brilliantly with Uber Eats. Given that it's a core business, effectively the taxi side of things has all but collapsed now. Yeah, it's much harder for hospitality players to pivot like that. Some have been very clever. Some have been very smart in terms of switching in, tapping into key workers, tapping into homeless. The story we looked at last week, um, but unfortunately, those opportunities are just too few and far between. I think to maintain business at a level which will enable them to keep their their headcounts as they are, and I think the this reflection what whipret has said look we're going to have to get rid of a fifth of our a fifth of our staff because that demand is just not going to be there and remember premier inn britain's biggest um, hotel brand is also in a segment of the market considered by most people to be the most resilient or among Mm. the most resilient aside from perhaps extended stay hotels people in the economy hotels they don't have a big f and b well they have within the restaurants that side of things so they don't have a a big sort of fine dining operation they don't have spas and all of that stuff um which is really being hammered right now so they were expected to be much much more resilient and clearly you know if you look at what their numbers are um it's 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 deeply deeply worrying because that you know their overall sales volume um during august they actually um came out with the the numbers in their latest um, update and and they said sales were down 38.5% compared to August in 2019. Occupancy was just 51% and this is amongst the most resilient of segments um, given what we're just about to have imposed on us um, within the hospitality sector that you know the, the only way is down from even those quite gruesome figures unfortunately um certainly for probably the next six months
0: uh talking about businesses that have rebounded quite well let's go and have a brief chat about airbnb how we how we laughed during lockdown as airbnb declared they were still going to do their ipo within the the year uh, 2020 um and then we watched as they uh, they drew in two billion dollars to help with their liquidity um, doing some deals which probably have been quite potentially quite expensive with some private equity players uh, but it would appear that Airbnb's had actually quite a good summer because guess what no one wants to go and stay in a hotel but they love the idea of going and staying in their own little private place out in the wilds a bit uh, this the sort of stuff you can find quite readily on Airbnb so um, yeah they've had quite a good summer and uh, perhaps there are some other things playing to the, their advantages as well but um, what a turnaround Andrew
1: I wouldn't be so sure, actually, in <laughs> terms of a turnaround. Um, I, I, I think there's a, there's a few things to, to say. Um, firstly, on the IPO, um, they have to do an IPO. Um, the number of uh, founder investors they have and early stage investors they have who need an out now, mm-hmm. they've got to do. They've got to do an IPO. I think. I think the pressure um, reports um, from inside the company are that there's there's growing pressure on that so they've got to get that out the door to enable them to cash out um you, you referenced there a couple of the debt deals they did well they were extraordinary um levels they were double digit in terms of the interest payments mm. um they wouldn't have struck those sort of things if everything if was hunky-dory i don't think it is hunky-dory until we get to see the the real numbers we don't know mm. um but what you know i did dig up this week was a report in a tech um website called The Information and they had some numbers from AirDNA and those AirDNA numbers um, show that overall the volume of listings on Airbnb were the, for the first time since 2015 when AirDNA, AirDNA started collecting those numbers for the first time the volume of overall listings on Airbnb has declined and it went down during the summer by five percent. Um, I think this is quite significant now you might argue this was just temporary this is a bunch of people who decided they're not renting out a room in their in their house or their their apartment because they don't want somebody with covid coming in and staying maybe maybe not but i i think that there has been a turn there and the a key one was the new listings and the 40% newer listings in July and August, yeah. according to AirDNA. So this this is this is problematic, I think, deeply problematic for um, Airbnb going forward. And the the um, the big criticism I've got for it as a platform is that it's focused on the long tail. It's focused on those tiny. Um, Um, businesses which are you know possibly doing five grand ten grand a year um, in in accommodation lettings and that's all you know and that they say oh well our great technology enables us to um, you know reach into this long tail and make it you know, a viable business for us. That's true, but it's nowhere near as viable a business as the kind of businesses that uh, existing hotel businesses, the likes of Expedia and Booking uh, Booking Holdings are tapping into. And you have one relationship with, a, say, a 200-room hotel, that's going to be probably 200 um, of these smaller lets, maybe three or 400 of these smaller lets if they're only coming out on a part-time basis, whereas that hotel's always there, always being let. And if you're doing, say 20%, 30% of their rooms, which booking is, and sometimes Expedia is, well, that's a much nicer business to be in from that point of view, a much more profitable business. So I think there's a real challenge for Airbnb if they don't get these hotel businesses onto their platform because at the end of the day although airbnb is a great brand there's no knocking it it is a fabulous brand um it's it, it's winning hand was that people were coming to its website directly rather than via google mm. now they should be exploiting that but pulling hotels onto their platform and offering hotels a cut price deal which will undermine their other platform rivals like booking like expedia and they can they can clean up but they have been so slow at doing anything on the hotel side i think they're really going to struggle and they're not going to be a significant player in the overall accommodation space if they only focus on the vacation rental market as the as americans call it it just isn't big enough and for all the the boosters saying oh air you know airbnb is going to be the future of accommodation in the next few years no it isn't (laughs) unless it's able to start getting where the big bits of accommodation business are which is in um hotels and branded extended stay etc they're the bits which are going to be the you know which which is really matter in accommodation they're the bits which generate the real levels of revenue we've had a weird period and we're going to have probably for six months a year uh, longer um, an ongoing weird period in which um, leisure market and um, outside of urban areas are more important than than the business travel market and urban areas that is not going to continue Um, we are going to see a switch back now it could be two three four years who knows i'm you know as we've already discussed mm. is it's so dependent on the on how this virus plays out but it will change and and ultimately then is you know what is airbnb going to be left with and i think this is the challenge it has it has to make this move um, and start pulling in hotels um, until it does it's simply going to be for, for our sector um, a sideshow
0: thing we're going to talk about is uh, the business of wellness and uh, how hotels can tap into that to uh, improve their, their overall business and what prompted us to have a look at was um, a couple of developments uh, ironically both in Bangkok um, Aman Resorts are launching their first urban resorts uh, with a project in Bangkok and uh, also Uh, Thai group minor uh, are also developing a quite high-end health and wellness brand uh, with with their first one somewhere down the river on Bangkok and that's that's gonna charge about two thousand dollars a night and uh, you're welcome to book in for a three or a ten day program to clear your head and perhaps other parts of your body as well uh, with their various programs But uh, an interesting business area. We took a closer look by uh, having a look at um, a recent report from uh, Sector Specialist RLA and a chat with their Roger Allen. It feels like a a sector that's perhaps something that, that, again, the hotel industry at large hasn't yet got its head completely around.
1: No, some some companies have i think hyatt is the most obvious name in there of the, the major players who who has got his head around wellness and is taking it seriously but it reminds me a bit of the uh, the design hotel uh, phase we had five ten years ago and then all of a sudden everybody wanted a design hotel all of a sudden it went from being something which was about return on ego to being <laughs> about return on capital and there was this big push into they realize actually you know these designers can help the business and drive the business forward and i think this is the transition that the wellness sector is going to go into over the next few years as as it starts being taken seriously and is being being a seen as a thing for grown-up investors to start tapping into um if if you want to take step back and uh, look at the big picture here. Um, I, I think LVMH is is a key player to watch and what they're doing now with Belmond. So here we have one of the dominant luxury goods players in the world. Um, they really know what's going on in luxury and they have been over the last few years switching into not just about you know leather goods and not just about wines and spirits not just about fancy scarves or perfumes and all of this stuff Um, but it's as much not just about the physical product but it's about the experience of buying them and about what that physical product represents so it's experiential luxury and they extended this with their push and their buy of Belmond their push into luxury hotels and their ultimate buy of Belmond and um, I think as you know watching what lvmh get up to is going to be um in terms of where this luxury market develops alongside players like hyatt with with their couple of um wellness acquisitions and you've mentioned and referenced um, um it was interesting isn't it the, particularly on the spa side how much is coming out of um, asia mm. on yeah. this uh, particularly southeast asia there seems to have been a big focus on that there um and and these 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 players which are are active in this, there's certainly going to be ones to watch. I mean, we should have talked about six Census of course, the the IHG acquisition as well. Um, so you've 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 got all of this now, and it, and it's being taken seriously, and it's how how that evolves and develops. But I think one of the 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 key players to to focus on is LVMH and what they do with that that Belmont acquisition.
0: Now let's finish off with our five star and no star awards of the week and uh, the five star award actually goes to Citizen M who've launched a rather innovative subscription driven uh, package for corporate uh, users. It combines co-working with some uh, inclusive nights of hotel stays um, and uh, looks like quite an interesting approach obviously you know there's plenty of other hotels doing co-working packages and so on but uh, this combination looks quite an innovation and uh, de- des- deserves to do well.
1: I, I think it does and I just say um, the, the one word I think is going to be on people's lips is Rundle <laughs> and I have to hat tip um, Professor Galloway of uh, NYU Stern for that and um, Who's a is a big expert on social media and marketing, um, and indeed teaches that at that that school. Um, and what Rundle is, it's recurring revenue bundle. <laughs> and if Citizen M can get this right and say charge the five fifty euros, five hundred pounds, um, you get three nights in a hotel for that, and they get people switched onto that and. St- and paying that on a monthly basis that's going to be you know they're obviously going to have to fiddle with the subscription levels and all of this stuff to make it work for the customer and make it work for the uh, um, for them um, make it profitable for them Um, but if they can crack that they are on to a huge winner, and I think we're going to look look at this um, next week. So we'll hear more about Rundles next week, but um, but I think it's worth just just highlighting that
0: now. The water zero oh. star two
1: oh dear yes well it has to go unfortunately to the UK government for what it's done and um, we've already talked about the the, the restrictions but I, I, I think look it's it's the COVID situation is increasingly to me looking like something like Brexit um, where you've got sort of extremists on both sides of it you've got people who are thinking that everybody's going to die of the plague and you've got people saying what are we worrying about mm-hmm. we should just ignore it and get on with life um and if you're trying to be a moderate and sit somewhere in the middle it's a very uncomfortable place (laughs) to be but the the UK government is in that position where it's got to try and find a pathway through this but it's doing a shockingly poor (laughs) job in terms of communicating this and I don't understand if we've got a former journalist as our Prime Minister surely he ought to be better at communicating what's going on I'm going to be watching him and we're recording this at 6 o'clock UK time I'll be uh tuning in at 8 p.m just to see whether he can um express things a little bit more clearly than what has come out of his press offices so far but um my goodness me they're doing a, a shoddy job and the, the thing that really i think is alienating so many people is the lack of transparency now there's no certainty with this we get that but please for goodness sake um, show us your workings. Show us what is going on, um, uh, you know, in in your mind about why you're imposing these restrictions. Because we've got quite senior scientists saying this is a load of codswallop. We we ought to just you know take the foot off the restrictions pedal and just calm it all down a bit. Now, you, when you've got this divide out there in the in in the scientific advice and community. Tell us how you've reached the conclusions you've reached. Show us why you've got to them, and we might we might well disagree with them. But if if they're sensible enough, um, you can put up with it, um, and you'll say, okay, we're in this together. We'll, we'll we'll come with you and get on with it. But you can no longer act as a as a dictator with this. You've got to stop. And I'm really worried that what they seem to be doing is. Getting worse at their communication and ramping up their the their level of fines, the level of um, coercion. They're even talking about bringing the army out for goodness sake. It's just, I mean, come on, you know, you can't start having this is this this level of um, oppression, which is what it which appears to be. Um, you know, whichever side of the fence you're on in terms of whether you're a everyone's dying of the plague or we, you know we should just get on with life as usual. Whichever side you're on, I think that has to be consensus that we need to understand the government's thinking and understand why it's being so um aggressive now with with these latest measures um so we'll see it we'll see in a couple of hours chris um <laughs> i haven't got hopes well, so it's definitely <laughs> no star
0: i think before that i'm going to and before the curfew comes at 10 i'm going to sneak off to the pub bye for now yes